Hello, my sweet friends, and welcome back to A Touch of Clarity podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Charland, a woman on a mission to make you a better friend to yourself. I'm a cognitive somatic and intuitive healer, meaning I help you to align your mind, body, and soul. The intention behind the work I do is to help you to heal your past trauma, unblock your chakras, connect in with your guides and become the most awakened and abundant version of yourself. Through a range of science, holistic and energetic methods, I help others to step into a life full of love and full of intention. I hope this episode adds a touch of clarity into your day. Hello and welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to introduce my beautiful guest today onto the show. Her name is Naveen and she has a beautiful soul-led business. Naveen helps people to make their life deeply fulfilling with mindfulness. So thank you so much for being here, lovely, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. So I would love to just start off by you just sharing where you're connecting from, because obviously I'm in Australia, so I would love to know where you are in the world. Well, right now I'm in London in the UK. Amazing. Is it because it's summer with you guys now? So I bet you've got some sunshine. We're like winter, so we're freezing in Australia. Yes, yes, it's right. Well, we're starting to have a little bit of... Sorry, we are starting to have a little bit of sun and warm weather. There was a lot of uh, rain as well, obviously, in the UK. Um, but it's starting to get warmer, yeah. So we are starting oh. to get closer to summer. Beautiful. I'm so jealous. It's been freezing here the past few days. Like um, I have my wellness center up in the hills and it got to like five degrees the other day and I was freezing. Oh. And us Aussies are not used to it being that cold. Oh. Yeah, and that's quite cold, actually. I didn't know it would get so cold. Yeah, we're really lucky in Adelaide where I am. We have like all of the seasons, whereas other states, yeah, they don't so much share that. They have pretty much like hot or like wet, um, like hot weather all the time, which, yeah, would be nice. (laughs) Yes, yes, I'm envious. But, well, we're getting our share of that as well soon. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I would love to know your current spiritual or wellness practice that you use for your own personal use. Sure. So I I do that. I'm a mindfulness facilitator and I personally also practice mindfulness daily. So that's my main spiritual practice. And I am also a Reiki healer. So I practice energy healing as well, but mainly um, on children, on my daughter as well. So mainly on children, but my main focus is on mindfulness. Oh, I love that. I didn't even realize that you were a Reiki practitioner too. Because yeah. Um, yeah, I do Reiki as well. So I love connecting with other healers oh. as well. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. So I would really love to know your story and like your journey into this field of work. And maybe you could share a little bit more about what you actually do with your business. Sure. Well, um, so what, like I think, like a lot of uh, people on in this industry started with my own personal experiences, my own personal uh, struggles, and so I started um, yoga and meditation back in two thousand eight. So I was very much uh, doing a lot of yoga, trying to find a spiritual path, some kind of. Um, um, 
some kind of inner strength to really empower myself because I lost a lot of confidence in myself. And at that time I was, um, I was going through tough times. And so I was trying to find something to really find some kind of inner strength and yoga has helped a lot. And I was starting also some meditation practice at that time. And then Oh, uh, there were so many bumps on the road, so many bumps on the way. I had a divorce. I had difficult court process, press work. I was really going into a complete burnout, completely lost um, confidence in myself, confidence in life. And then that's when I, I discovered about Vipassana, Vipassana, which is insight meditation, and that's commonly called now mindfulness. And so that has helped me a lot. So I realize how helpful, how powerful the practice um, is, is actually for our own healing journey. And so it really was, and it really is still a journey inward. So meaning that I don't depend on anything outside of me to feel good, to feel that my life is on track or to feel happy, basically. And, you know, to really remember my own strengths that doesn't depend on anything outside that I was told that I needed to achieve or uh, I needed to obtain in order to be successful or to feel happy. So that is kind of my journey from 2008 up until today. And it is still an ongoing journey. Mm, I love that. And I really like that you say it's like an ongoing journey because I truly believe that as well. I always say like I'm a forever student and, you know, we never know everything. And I really like as well, you mentioned a couple of times like the term inner strength. And I think that that's so special and something that I think a lot of us, especially women, are really like craving at the moment. I think for a while we've kind of been in this like masculine led kind of energy. And I think now like a lot of women don't want to sort of do that anymore. We want to create our own masculine and our own inner strength. So I think that's really beautiful and so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And um, for somebody who's hearing this and they're hearing like the term mindfulness and maybe they're not super familiar, um, could you kind of share what it is? Because I know as well from my own experience, when I used to hear the word like mindfulness, I used to kind of cringe a little bit because I think it was kind of chucked around so much when it came like a bit of a hype word. So I would love to know like your definition of it because obviously now I am not like that. I love it. I think it's got so much value. Um, so yeah, can we talk to that for a moment? Yeah, sure. I would love to hear your own definition perhaps after if we have time. But so in the interest of the, um, sorry. So yeah, mindfulness is about cultivating deliberate attention to the present moment. But it's also the way we relate to the present moment. And it's with kindness and care. And so we train to do that by sitting on the cushion, on the meditation cushion, or, you know, closing your eyes and going inward so that we can transition and whatever benefits that we've gained throughout the practice can be translated or can be brought to our daily lives. And that's the cushion that becomes our training, like a gym, uh, where we train in attention, concentration, kindness. Once we train in... Um, once we train in attention and really being okay with whatever is in the present moment, we start to really develop some insights into what's going on in our minds, in our lives as well. So what kind of patterns, addictions, or things that are not really helpful 
that we hang on to because we don't want to feel certain things. And then once we develop some insights about what is going on there, then we learn to address that. We learn to um, address the old habits and try to really um, to cultivate new habits that are healthier for ourselves. So that was a long definition, but at the same time, I wanted to add how how we actually practice mindfulness. So it doesn't stop um, outside of the cushion, basically. So it really is a training ground for us to live our lives um, when we resume our lives. I love that. And yeah, I think for me, before I was educated about what it actually is, I thought that it was very similar to meditation. And I know obviously there's like a bit of an overlap, but I thought that it was only when you were on the cushion. And recently I've been like relearning that it's so much more than that. And I love your definition. And I don't think it was long-winded at all. I think that it kind of encompassed everything and all of the aspects of it. And um, yeah, for me, my definition would just be, kind of I think I at the moment are you I'm using mindfulness to connect back in with myself and in like everyday mundane situations so like a little practice that I've been doing recently um which I guess kind of links into Reiki is I've just been like with the palm of my hand like brushing my fingers and I know that can sound like a little bit weird because we're not really like conditioned to like touch ourselves but for me like if I'm having like a conversation with someone and I can tell maybe like my mind's wandered to like what I need to cook for dinner or like my to-do list I'll as they're talking I'll just like feel like run my hand along my fingers and feel that and that just drops me back into like the present moment so like as they're talking I'm getting like these sensations that I can like focus on as well as like listening to them yeah yeah and that's that's perfectly I mean that's called grounding ourselves back so we learn to ground ourselves back with the body because the mind is going to travel back in time or to an alternate reality, you know, remembering, planning, fantasizing. But the only thing that remains in the present is the body and the sensations. They happen in the moment. So that's why you brushing your fingers, are rem- this is reminding you that this is here, this is happening in the moment, to focus in the moment as well. So that's that's great. I love it. It's so powerful. And it's something like you said, something that we can do for ourselves. Like I think we're often, especially for like healing modalities, looking like externally, like what course can I buy? Who can I work with? And of course, being a healer and a service-based entrepreneur, like we like that, you know, I'm happy to help people. But I think coming back home and like using tools that you can like use yourself instead of going outwards is really powerful as well. Absolutely. And that also, sorry, and that that is also very, very helpful, Um, especially nowadays, we all know that there is a depression, anxiety pandemic, right? And we don't know, we're not really necessarily equipped to deal with that, to cope with that. Um, And so that's very important to understand uh, that we have the power we have the um the choice over whatever is going on in the circumstances in our lives that we have a choice to really relate to the experiences in our lives and so with the practice of mindfulness with the practice of really being okay with everything we develop inner resilience so inner trust inner strength to face whatever is going um whatever is going on in our lives whatever is going on outside as well around us the pandemic or losses grief heartbreaks 
Mm. I think, yeah, it's so powerful to be able to rely on something to help us. And obviously you just shared about inner resilience, but I would love to know some of the other benefits when it comes to mindfulness. Well, there are lots of, lots of benefits and there are, there are countless and countless of researches. So I rely a lot on science as well, but also my own practice. So there are a lot of benefits for the physical body. So that's based on a typical eight week mindfulness course with a 30 minute, uh, practice of mindfulness daily. So there's a lot of, um, uh, physical benefits such as that helps reduce the inflammation in the body. As we know, a heightened state of anxiety and stress creates a lot of inflammation and inflammation is the cause of many, many diseases and illnesses nowadays, like heart diseases um, and all the genes and aging and so on. So that helps prevent many illnesses too. Now, in terms of uh, benefits on the mental health, that helps also uh, decrease certain types of depression, anxiety, that helps also with insomnia or some sleep disorders. Um, that has been also helpful for addictions or pain management. Maybe um, also people feel more able to cope with losses and grief. And that helps with certain types of um, certain types of um, sorry, I'm losing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. I think it's crazy, like not crazy, that's not the right word, but like it amazes me every single time I hear things like this because from like in my line of work where I teach like meditation and mindfulness, you get the certain people that are like, oh, that's woo-woo. And I'm like, it's not woo-woo. Like you shared before, like a lot of it is backed with science now. Yeah, yeah. And I love that there's so much more acceptance to something that isn't just like you know a pill or something that isn't just a quick kind of like fix it's something where you can drop back in with your body and like really connect in with yourself and the two that kind of like really stood out for me when you were sharing the benefits was addiction and pain management because yeah. some of the other ones like I was kind of aware of but it's yeah I just think it's so beautiful that it can help us on such a broad spectrum of like it can have such a broad spectrum of benefits so I really really love that hello my loves I am interrupting this episode to share my beautiful membership with you I've created a membership called mindful not mindful and this is for the soul that is ready to do a deep dive into their healing so each and every month you will get access to an online portal and each month we will dive into a specific topic to do with spirituality or wellness then within in that month you have a video all about that specific topic then you have a month's worth of content to go through at your own pace so this could be breath work meditation sound healing journal prompts somatic release online or virtual reiki plus so so much more 
In addition to that, you also get access to an online community of soul sisters that will hype you up and be there to support you during your lowest. The best thing about this membership is you get to do it all at your own pace from the comfort of your own home. Plus, it's less than $3 a day to join the membership and you can cancel any time. If you're feeling the pull, I would absolutely love for you to join this really potent and beautiful membership. All of the details and the link to sign up is in the show notes or if you have any questions, send me a DM on Instagram. I really hope that you're enjoying this episode and I hope to see you in the membership. Okay, back to the show. Absolutely. And that helps also, you know, there were some studies on uh, people who have, who are actually uh, facing very, very intense situations such as combat um, or soldiers, um, medical doctors now that we can, we can really see the high levels of stress that they're going through. And so those who do not have a level of self-compassion, so through the practice of mindfulness, we develop and strengthen self-compassion. And those who do not have uh, a level of self-compassion can develop uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And those who have uh, meditation practice, who who practice self-compassion, actually have more resources to avoid developing PTSD. And so that has been proven by certain researchers as well. So it really is powerful. Mm, I love coming back to self-compassion because I think like everyone needs more of it but like you shared before we're going through like a major pandemic something that we our generation has never experienced before and I think yeah it's self-compassion and self-love has like a lot of negative connotations to it in like my experience because you know people think oh yeah I love myself but when you actually come down to like the nitty-gritty it's like well how do you treat yourself I ran a retreat a couple weeks ago and I made all of the ladies do a uh, practice where they looked into each other's eyes for one minute and then they wrote what they saw or what they felt for one minute and what they wrote about each other was so beautiful like there was so many compliments and they were just so nice to each other and then the last activity was they had to look in a mirror for one minute and then write what they saw and what they felt and all of the uh, seven women each first of all said something critical about themselves or their appearance or how they looked and then they said some like nicer stuff but when they were looking at each other not one negative thought or um comment was made but when it was themselves they were so critical and it like in that moment I was like wow like we really do see like the beauty in each other but we don't see like the beauty or yeah give ourselves love yeah yeah and that like you said so we are conditioned to not like ourselves and most people most people feel it easier to be compassionate toward others but not to ourselves. And that's because of our conditioning. And that's also because of, you know, the society, perfectionism, and so on. But to come back to the point of um, thinking of self-compassion. So there are a lot of misconceptions around being self-compassionate, where we think being self-compassionate is weak, where we're going to let everybody, you know, we're becoming a doormat, but it's actually not true. We actually learn we actually learn to set boundaries for ourselves. We actually notice what is going on for ourselves and we notice that this is actually not right for me. 
And so we're standing up and we're saying more no. We're being more fiercely compassionate for ourselves. And then the second one, I think you mentioned it being self-indulgent or narcissistic. And that's not true either. So, so researches and uh, well, people who practice it really notice that the more we're able to give to ourselves, the more we're able to meet our own needs, then the more we have to give to others. And we're building stronger, more authentic relationships. And we have more the capacity to reach out to others because we're filling our own cups. And if we're not learning to meet our own needs, then every interaction that we will have with others will not be as authentic unless we are close to the people, unless they are people that we like. But how do we open up to more people is by being authentic and giving to ourselves what we need and then being having this capacity to reach out to others because we're mammals and we have this um, innate capacity to care for other people. That's in us. This is our human nature. Mm, I think that's so important and I really love that you've brought that into the conversation and it's really relevant to me in my personal practice at the moment so I say to people I'm a recovering people pleaser um, because of my conditioning as a child and stuff I was learned that I in order to receive love that I needed to be the good girl and I needed to you know not inconvenience anyone so that's led to in my adult life yeah people pleasing letting being a doormat essentially like you said um and I would say only like it's some work that I've been doing for a while but only the past month have I really started to notice like a natural shift in myself where I've realized I think it is because I'm coming back to like this centered place of love for myself and I think how can I love other people when I don't love myself and like I have always thought that I've got a pretty healthy relationship with myself so for me I was always like I don't really need to do self-love like I don't really need to do that kind of work and I realized that it's deeper than you appreciating what you look like or you know that you think that you're smart or you know whatever it comes down to your boundaries and how you allow people to interact with you and I've realized since actually communicating and speaking my truth and and you know doing it from love my relationships have been thriving like my partner and I this is like the best place that we've ever been in because I don't hold things in to the point where then I'm like resentful or I snap like I've just started saying little things to him like hey like you know, da, 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 da. and then he respects that more. And the same within my like professional life, even just saying to people like, hey, like I see your message um, is actually 9 p.m. So I don't usually reply to DMs. I'll message you in the morning, like little things like that, like such small shifts have made such a huge difference in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And so that makes more space for others as well, because we are more authentic with ourselves and we're not projecting onto others our anger, our insecurities, and so on. So yes, that's very, very important to cultivate self-compassion. It's so true. And I feel like we've kind of already touched on it, but I'm not sure if there's something else that you want to share. Um, But I know that you post a lot about being vulnerable and how again, that should not be seen as weak. It should be seen as like a superpower. So I would love to know, yeah, your, your other thoughts around that as well. Yeah, so I know that people don't like talking about vulnerability and 
like I think a lot of people will cringe as well to say you know meet your vulnerability work with your vulnerability and now I think also there's an overuse of the word just like be kind so yes we want to be kind but then that becomes a little bit of we don't really know what is the real meaning of it and so being vulnerable we can just use another word and just say you know just be courageous and meet what hurts you know, just meeting what hurts, because it really is about getting to the root cause of what hurts, really, and what we're afraid of that gets us to react and prote- protect ourselves and triggers us. So um, let's say we we are very hurt, but instead of meeting that, instead of instead of feeling, all right, I'm feeling some shame here. Can I let it be here? Can I let the jealousy be here? Can I let the anger or the fear be here? Instead of feeling that, we jump straight into gossiping or we avoid the problem by eating, overeating, or maybe just surfing on the social media, um, you know, having sex, addictions, blaming ourselves, overthinking. So also one thing that we do is to look for affirmations in all of the things that we are okay right but so instead of depending on all these things to make ourselves feel better we actually just need to meet what hurts so that we can address the root cause of it and can we ask ourselves well what am i really afraid of feeling if i didn't have to gossip or if the others had to be wrong or if others had to be right and that i'm wrong what do i have to face instead of wanting to always be right and to be right to the eyes of others as well. What am I afraid of? What will happen? So that's how we can start to slowly go to the root cause of what's really underlying all the reactivity, all the anger, all the you know shame or whatever we are reactive towards. And that's also the, the only way that we can learn how to meet our own needs and not project that pain onto others. So having the willingness to, to look deeper when we are angry So what am I feeling right now? Okay, there's a lot of anger. Can I be with that? Yeah, and that really hurts. Can I soothe myself through that? So that's self-compassion. And that's not weak. That's actually a lot of courage to really face what's, what's, you know, shame, basically. Shame is at the root cause of a lot of emotions. And we're not conditioned to to really face that with courage we're told to brush that away and that's actually not helpful wow it takes it takes training it takes training to really be to notice what's going on to notice that all right i'm a little bit i'm not okay right now and i'm feeling shaky all right what does that shakiness mean do i feel maybe anger do i feel fear that people are going to notice that i'm not worth it this is just a fear and it doesn't mean that it's true but it's just how we feel and can we address that and once we address that we can actually just think and bring more perspective to whatever we're feeling and think all right no actually i'm not i'm good enough i always worried that i'm not good enough or that people are gonna see that i'm not worth it or that i'm going to be revealed that i'm not worth all the things that i'm chasing for can we meet that and can we actually develop the insight ourselves to know that this is actually just a thought this is not true so it's all this process that helps us really strengthen this inner trust and that becomes unshakable because we know that this is going to come 
it's not a um, it, healing is not um, uh, a linear curve. It's a spiral curve. So you need to fail many times to know what it feels like to feel good. Every time you 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 have failed, every time you get back on your feet, you know how that feels like. And the more you're going to remember that, you know, the more you're going to come back to that. Know that every time I'm failing, every time I'm falling, I'm going to get back on my feet. And I know how that feels like. And I know that I have another perspective that is actually more helpful. Oh, wow. That was so powerful. Everything you just shared. And thank you for explaining it in such a beautiful way. Like when before you started like kind of going beneath the layers, I was going to ask you like, how, like, how do we do that? And then you just went straight into explaining it. So thank you. That was super, like when you hear it like that, like part of me goes, oh, it's so simple. Like why have I not been doing this the whole time? But when you're in it, like even me being like a healer, like I can say to clients, yeah, you know, sit with the feeling and like what's beneath it and this and that. But when it comes to myself, it is really hard to do. And so like you said, it's not weak. It actually, I think, is one of the yeah most courageous things that you can do to actually sit there without judgment and hold space for yourself and your emotions. And like you said, meet what hurts. I love that term. I'm going to start using that for my own like mantra because yeah. the second that you said that, I was like, ah. Oh, yes, like that's what I need to be doing. And that's what people need to be doing. And I think as well, it's so important that you spoke about how we've been conditioned to kind of ignore those parts or shame them or like push them away. And I think society's shown us that people are not going to love us if we've got these darker parts of us, which is so untrue. I, you know, I've had maybe not such healthy but like breakdowns around like loved ones and afterwards I feel so much more connected to them and I think wow if I had shared like these deeper parts of me maybe in a more healthy way like not just broke down but like actually shared it with them I think it could bring you closer to people and actually work in your favor as well. Yes, and I think you mentioned uh, family dynamics and I think that's the hardest because that's where our conditioning comes from. And no matter how many years you would have been practicing, every time you're back with the family, you're coming back to that 10-year-old little girl who is so vulnerable, who, you know, was um, so innocent. And it's very hard. And so being self-compassionate is also having the courage to stop and say, right, that's not... I don't feel okay right now and I'm going to set some boundaries. Can I also still love them for who they are and for how, how who they are basically, but also know that I have boundaries to set so that I am okay as well. So there's a lot of courage here to just know when to say no to our loved ones. It's very hard because they're our family. Um, but that's what being self-compassionate is about. Also setting strong, uh, firm barriers Mm. I love that yeah you shared about the family because for me personally that's something that I've been really working with and I've, I've been finding the more I dive into like my shadow or into like my wounds the more my family members know how to get in there like they're the only people because I think they've yeah. create like or 
not maybe not they've created but you've created these aspects of you and these wounds or traumas within that space so they are kind of the only people that really know it so from my experiences they're the ones that can really get in there you know like other people yeah. can't because they're not aware of it so yeah, yeah I think like you said it takes so so much courage to yeah deal with that when it does come to the people that are closest to you and I absolutely love that you are so passionate about getting out of your comfort zone and how you can create inner resilience. And I know that you share a lot about that within your work. So I would love to invite that into the space as well. Yeah. So it's about, um, so the more we're able to tolerate what's uncomfortable, then the more we're increasing this trust that we are able to to bear that, right? And obviously, we don't start with the biggest thing. We start small, you know, we start with little things and then we start to, and then we increase the time, our capacity to stay a little bit more and a little bit more. That's the same thing for people facing chronic pain, chronic illnesses. We don't start by just facing the pain itself straight away. We start to just noticing it and then just seeing it for what it is. It's, it's sharp right it's twisting it's stabbing so we we don't just identify ourselves with the pain we learn to just shift outside of the pain and just notice what it is it's a sensation it's not pleasant it's painful but so we learn to tolerate that by being a little bit with it and then we start over time to increase this capacity to be with that in turn so that increases the resilience over time because we know that we were able to handle it from a scale from let's say zero to 10 being 10 being extremely painful we were able to tolerate a one next time we were we were able to tolerate a two so we know that we were able to tolerate that two can we try a three and so on so we increase that capacity and then uh, with time we know that we are able to handle it no matter what's around the corner so through the daily stresses through what might be also the worst day of our lives. So we don't start to train the day before a marathon, right? So we train before, we train every day just to be with things as they are, including the good, but also including the bad, so that we have more capacity to hold ourselves through the most difficult times as well so that's what i call increasing our inner resilience just being okay with things knowing that there's enough room for everything Mm, that's so powerful because i think when we first start looking at our healing um i know from the experience with my clients is it can feel extremely overwhelming to like kind of look at everything and be like whereas like what you're talking about is like breaking it down into real like you said achievable little steps and like opening up a tiny bit instead of just like hitting yourself in the face with all of this stuff that you've been pushing away or suppressing for many years yeah yeah and so we start with little things so when I help my clients work with anxiety or low self-confidence so we start with little things if there is something that was triggering them and we start with a little simple example that happened recently and instead of jumping into the most traumatic thing that happened we start with a little thing we start to just notice how we react also when there's something that's triggering us to learn our coping mechanism and then we learn 
to notice whether that's helpful or not. We learn to see whether there's a pattern in here without any judgment, because obviously that's not compassionate, right? So we want to stop. We don't want to create a target for our nervous system. If we're being criticizing ourselves, then we're tense, we're nervous, then we're anxious and stressed. So we relate to whatever we're going through, uh, the thing that triggered us. So we relate to it with kindness, with compassion. All right. Well, I was feeling attacked. Okay. I felt anger. I felt defensive. And so then we learn to be more compassionate towards that response. And then with compassion, over time, we realize, all right, then I can learn to deal with the situations um, as they happen with more compassion. And over time, I can learn to not react because the reactions will still be there. Remember, it's not a linear curve. It's really a spiral curve. So we will repeat and the deeply rooted habits take most the most time to heal from. So we will still react. We will still feel jealous of our friends that might be more successful ourselves of ourselves uh, than ourselves. But over time, we really catch ourselves a little bit faster, a little bit faster, and a little bit faster until perhaps someday we will feel okay, actually, that they are happy, that they are uh, more successful, that they have a great partner that we don't have or, you know. And so it takes time. It takes time. Uh, but the, the healing is real. It is real, but it takes time. Yeah. Mm, I think that's so important as well. And you mentioned a little bit earlier in the episode, like the practice of self-soothing, which I think is so important, especially if you do come from a maybe traumatic childhood or maybe where you didn't feel like you were nurtured or loved. I think giving that back to yourself is like a huge part of the healing process. And I really like that you shared about it becoming like a practice or something that you need to continue to do because I often hear clients come in to me and they'll say like I was doing so well like I didn't have like an angry outburst or I didn't do this or I didn't have a panic attack and then all of a sudden I do and they think that like that's taking them backwards and I often mm -hmm. say to them but how are you like dealing with that situation and they'll say oh, I went and journaled or like I, um, you know, it took me only a couple minutes to realize what I'd done compared to like three days or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's where the magic happens. It's not so much that you've, you know, gone backwards in quotations. It's look at the huge amount of growth that you've done because you are able to even recognize that pattern. You're able to self-soothe or journal or meditate or, you know, whatever your practice is to then bring you back into that alignment, back into that higher vibration. And so sometimes it's not even, I think it's not even having no patterns of, you know, your old patternings. It's about what you do to like move forward. And I think as well, it's really important to realize that they call it like a meditation practice or a mindfulness practice because it takes, like you said, time yeah. and practice to achieve yeah. it. Absolutely. And I wanted to spend some time on talking about practice because um, and now that there is a lot of science around it and I've taken some courses, I'm actually uh, certified in positive neuroplasticity training. So that involves a lot of um, knowledge. I mean, 
exposure to neuroscience and what happens to the brain when we are practicing mindfulness. And so the science is real. So it's not woo-woo. It really is science where um, the more we practice something, the more it stays. And if I can be a little bit more technical here to the risk of losing some um what happens in the brain is that when we are um, practicing something, so if we're practicing all these skills of concentration, of being self-compassionate, of um, calm, so that gets strengthened. So there's a wire. So the cells start to fire together and they wire together. And so that gets strengthened into a habit. And that's why a near daily to a daily practice is very important to cultivate this habit, basically. And so I wanted to talk also about the intellectual knowledge versus the embodiment of it. Because knowing, knowing, the, having the intellectual, you can read as many books as you want. You can talk, listen to podcasts as much as you want. But it's the practice. You know, you're not going to read books and learn about uh, piano. You're not going to be an athlete um, if you just read books and watch games, right? It's about the practice. And so, you know, the 10,000 hours or so on of practice to become an expert, that's real. So you need to practice every day to be able to see slight shifts. And it's really these slight shifts that are going to make you trust in the practice. And you don't trust this practice. Who would trust this practice, right? And I didn't trust this practice because I didn't try it. It's until I tried it that I started to develop small shifts, to see small shifts. And um, that's how we develop more trust. And that's how we really start to see that that's helpful. And so that's very important to shift from the intellectual concept, knowing that we have to be kind, knowing that we have to be vulnerable from really embodying that. And embodying that is sitting on the cushion, developing the insights, you know, uh, into what's going on in our minds and getting familiar with ourselves. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. I really love actually knowing like the parts of the brain that's like firing. I really, really love neuroscience. Um, so thank you for bringing that into the conversation. It's really nice to understand it from like a you know proper perspective of what's happening instead of, like you said, I, I often say to people who think that things are woo-woo and I love all woo-woo things. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, these other people when I say, but have you actually tried meditation or experienced Reiki or, you know, have you done breath work? And they're like, well, no, but, and I'm like, well, you can't, in my opinion, you can't have an opinion about something that you've not experienced. And, you know, they can, similar to what you were sharing people who are non-believers they can listen to things but until you embody it and actually have like the somatic experience there's nothing like it so yeah I really really like um that you talk about thinking it and learning it compared to actually putting it into practice so important yeah because you might know this saying that the body remembers so mm. You know, no matter how much we can remember in our minds, if we don't know how that feels in the body, if we don't let it, if we don't let the body absorb the experience, the sensations that feel good, actually, then that's not going to stay. That's not going to stay. And neuroscience says that we, you know, the sieve where we're washing, you know, vegetables and everything that gets retained is the dirt 
and the water flows through. So the dirt is the same thing as the negative experiences. So we are wired to remember the negativity for our survival. And everything that's positive just flows through. So even when we are having a great experience, a great meal, a happy moment, a birthday celebration, a wedding celebration, if we're not taking the time to absorb that for 10 to 15 seconds to really feel, how does that feel in my body? Can I feel a sense of opening? Can I sense a feel a feeling, a sensation of warmth? How does it feel? And how is this relevant for me to remember that as well? Then that's not gonna stay. That's not gonna stay. So that's very important to develop insights and really reconnect with our bodies to know what's going on in the moment so that we can also absorb the positive experiences and we can bypass the negativity bias by creating positive experiences and absorb them in our bodies so that over time, let's say we feel very anxious, we can practice feeling safe. So we can practice on the cushion, feeling safe, remembering um, events that made us feel safe. How does it feel in our bodies? And we can also do that as we are experiencing in the moment, a safe experience. And that's the same thing for feeling strong. If we're feeling very self-defeating and so on, how did it feel, you know, to run the last mile of a race, you know, this fierceness, how does it feel in the body? You know, maybe you have this flush of energy in through your body. How does it feel? Can you really absorb that? So that's going to stay for the times when things are really bad. This is cultivating our inner resources. So Wow, I love that. And it's so interesting to hear it like that. And I think it's super interesting because it's so true and we all do it. Like you can have, for example, like a million positive comments made to you about like your work or a post that you put on Instagram, for example, and it just takes like one person to say something negative (laughs) and all of those other comments like mean nothing to you. It's, you know, the negative one is the thing that sticks in your mind or the thing that you'll then talk about for the rest of the night. And I've caught myself doing that. Like if I, you know, have a beautiful day and have six amazing conversations with six different people and they compliment me and it's really beautiful, but I have one negative encounter, I'll go home to my partner and I'll talk about that one negative encounter instead of the six beautiful ones. So it's so interesting that as humans we do that. But like you said, it makes sense because it's the way that we're wired to survive. And you shared with me in preparation to this episode about the importance of how we respond to a moment because in turn this can create or change the next moment and the way that you spoke about that I just think it's so so interesting so I would yeah love it if you could tell the listeners about that as well yes yes so it really is about um, how we relate to a moment so if the moment is difficult are we going to get into a reaction, not really being fully aware of the next step that we're going to take because we were in fear, we were uh, anxious, we were stressed. And so if we're able to fully be present, fully engage in the present moment, giving ourselves the choice to respond rather than react, then the next that, that moment itself can determine the next moment. And so if we choose to be fully present, you know, being on our own, our own side to meet what's difficult or to meet even the joyful moments, you know, that's going to determine the way we respond 
Um, and that can be in a way that's helpful, in a way that's authentic. Somebody said, and I want to read that because I thought that was beautiful, if that's okay. Of course, I would love it. So somebody said that each moment conditions the next and it's never too late to bring heart to the moment. So your response to what determines your experience, not what's arising in that particular moment. And when love is present, anything is possible. Oh, wow. That was beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And I wanted to read that for you all today. But, you know, that's what we call living with an undefended heart. So having enough, cultivating enough resources to let, to have space for anything to pass through because we don't have control over, we can have a certain control over things in our lives, but then the majority of things are not controllable. We can't control, we can't predict anything. We can be as successful as, you know, materially um, comfortable as possible, but we can't predict the losses. We can't predict anything that's happening. So how do we live through that? We can't brush that away. We have to cultivate you know, enough resources to have room for anything to pass through, knowing that we have this inner capacity to be with what's there. Sorry, angels, I'm interrupting this beautiful episode, but it's for a good reason. I am so excited to share with you a new partnership that I have with Yoni Pleasure Palace. For those who are unfamiliar with this beautiful company, Yoni Pleasure Palace is the world's leading online retailer of luxurious pleasure wands, Yoni eggs, waterproof sex blankets and feminine wellness products their mission is twofold educate women how to tone their pelvic floor using a yoni egg and also to inspire women to slow down using their best spoke products such as the sacred squatter the cervix serpent and the waterproof squirt blanket Each glass and crystal product is GIA certified, 100% body safe, hypoallergenic, compatible with most lubricants, temperature responsive and free from any petrochemicals, plastics or resins. Yoni Pleasure Palace prides itself on ethical production practices, maintaining an aligned relationship and vision with a gold star supplier of almost 10 years in the industry. If you know me or if you've worked with me, you know that I am so passionate about women's yoni spaces. As feminine beings, we hold so much of our emotions, trauma or past experiences in our yoni and womb space. For that reason, it is so important that we maintain a relationship with our yoni as well as creating regular healing practices. My favorite is to use one of the beautiful ones to create a disarming practice. So basically what this means is you use certain points of the wand to press onto your cervix and different parts of your yoni whilst listening to meditation music, deep breathing and really connecting in with your body. It's not so much about a orgasmic practice, it's more about trauma and emotional healing. So basically when you are using the wand to press onto different points, you will have different memories, different emotions or feelings come up for you and you can then breathe into it. Maybe you will journal after, but you can really hold space and allow these emotions or experiences to come up, be held and then be released. 
So my loves, in the show notes, I have popped a cheeky discount and also the link to their beautiful website. If you have any questions, I would love for you to send me a DM. We can chat about what wand is perfect for you. They have some rose quartz ones, different crystal ones. I personally love the glass ones at the moment to do my disarming practices. They also have so many yoni eggs, plus a lot of other accessories and toys that you can experiment and play with. This topic shouldn't be so taboo, and I invite you to open it up with your partner, maybe your friends, or like I said, send me a message as I love talking about all of this beautiful stuff. I could chat to you about this topic forever, but let's get back to today's episode. Wow. Thank you for sharing that beautiful quote that like left me feeling like almost emotional. I was like, wow, like it's so true. It really does just come back to love and having an unguarded heart. I think that that's, yeah, beautiful for us humans to experience and gift to each other. And I know that you work quite heavily around befriending anxiety. Um, So how do you believe that we can do that? And also, what's the importance of befriending our anxiety? So the first thing to remember, actually, anxiety is a natural response. So it's a natural response to get us out of a situation or to give us enough energy to tackle what's coming up for us. Now, we are in our society nowadays there's a lot of anxiety we tend to perpetuate that state of anxiety into almost a trait that stays so the state of anxiety is very helpful to get us prepared for whatever is going going on whatever is coming for us and it's about learning to recognize the signs of anxiety in our bodies because what makes it anxiety what makes anxiety so uncomfortable is the felt sense right the stories the thoughts make the felt make the felt sense so uncomfortable they're shaking the heart pounding maybe the stomach squeezing and so on and so if we learn to catch ourselves in the midst of anxiety we can actually learn to relate to the anxiety in a different way can i see that burst of energy as actually a good thing to help me prepare for that big presentation because it's actually quite I have the skills I have the knowledge and actually I can teach something to these people who who are coming to listen to me you know if we are fearing of public speaking or if there's a difficult conversation that we are going to have with a boss or something like that um you know trusting ourselves that we have the knowledge we have the negotiation skills, we have what it takes to tackle the conversation or the experience that's coming up. But the anxiety itself, if we can learn to relate to it as a thing that is helping us instead of something that feels, oh, I don't like it, I want it to go away, this is not good, I'm not in control of my feelings, I'm not in control of my sensations, that's when things get very tough. That's when things got really complicated because we can't think anymore. We don't have perspectives. We don't have access to our full knowledge. But if we learn to just say, oh, to just think, all right, anxiety is there. It's there to help me. Then we are sending a signal to our bodies that there's nothing to fear. There's, it's not a threat, actually. It's not a real threat. There's not a lion that's going to eat us. It's just a conversation. 
it's something good that might happen out of it as well. And so we're sending the signal to our bodies to relax, to to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, right? Um, the hormone that's responsible for our rest and digest response. And that's not creating a target for our nervous system anymore. So we then have access to our full perspective at that moment. But it's also about relearning how to relate to anxiety and befriending it rather than um, going against it. So it's not comfortable and it's it takes time, it takes practice to learn to notice the anxiety because normally we notice it way after we've, you know, entangled ourselves in all the stories and to all the possible scenarios that might happen. And it might be quite far out before we realize that this is anxiety. So we learn to relate with our bodies. And with time, we learn to catch it before. And we learn to to really address the anxiety and to befriend it. Yeah. I love it. It's so interesting when you break it down like that. I think as humans, like we live in this society where we don't want to feel bad. You know, we want to live in like our summer phase where we're super happy and energized and we're like winning at life. And it's like, we don't want to be in maybe like this winter phase where we've got to face some stuff that's a little bit uncomfortable. So I think we've kind of been conditioned to like just get through the uncomfortable feelings to like be on the other side of like feeling good. And I think it kind of relates back to what you shared in the beginning of the episode about sometimes we need to feel the bad to even know what the good is to have like that comparison and um I think yeah there's a lot of like stigma around anxiety that it is negative and something that we need to like fear whereas like you're sharing that it's just like our body communicating something that maybe something's a little bit outside of our comfort zone so I think like relying on the tools that you've shared throughout this episode like the mindfulness and the self-compassion and like coming back to the self-soothing I think that's like so powerful to know all of that and I think it's so interesting that in this society yeah we don't have like this lion or tiger that's like chasing us but our nervous system is like yes we do that email from your boss is the lion that's going to eat you like I think it's so funny when you think about it in comparison to like the and I'm not belittling it because like we all go through it and it is scary but like when you think about it in comparison to our ancestors like they had like the physical threat whereas ours comes in a text message (laughs) yeah have you heard of that book uh why zebras don't uh, get ulcers no so it's um I haven't read it but I heard it so many times being referenced to and and it's that that's actually what we've talked about where zebras are surrounded by you know dangers constant dangers and so when they detect danger their 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 nervous system gets activated and they run away from the danger and once the minute they realize that the danger has passed then they're back to just playing with their kids they're eating, they're playing, they're sleeping. And then again, the next wave of threat is coming up. So they're escaping it. And then, so they have this ability to really shift off um, and shut down their nervous system. But we have this ability to just perpetrate the anxiety, the state of anxiety through our thoughts. And if we don't have control of our minds, our thoughts, the body, the mind processes, we're going to limit ourselves. We're going to just perpetrate these constant states that are unhealthy. And that's going to have a great impact on our bodies and our our relationship with others, the society itself. So 
Yeah, and and yeah, I wanted to reference that book. I don't remember the author, but I've heard that a lot. Yeah, why zebras don't have ulcers. Thank you for sharing that. I'm such a bookworm, so I've written that down. I'm really keen to <laughs> um, either listen to that or read it. It sounds, yeah, incredible. And I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm so thankful for you for being here and giving up part of your morning. And if people are listening to this and they're resonating with what you're sharing and your energy, which I'm sure they will, how can people work with you and what are some of your current offerings? Sure. So if they want to start, uh, if they get, they want to get started with an introduction course with mindfulness. So I offer a 40 day program, which covers the foundational practices of mindfulness that includes concentration skills, breath practices, um, gratitude, compassion, self-compassion, forgiveness, and so on. So all of these under 15 minutes a day. That's my most popular offer. And if you are committed to starting a practice of mindfulness, I also work one-on-one. So there is a commitment of five sessions together, but everything is listed on my website if you want more information. So that's www.navinsgoodspace.com. And I'd be happy to hear from anyone. I also have a blog where I write a lot about compassion, about mindfulness. I try also to work, uh, to write a little bit about the effects of mindfulness on the society itself. So if you want to check it out, feel free to do so too. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And I'll pop all of your details in the show notes. And obviously you just shared your website, but what's your Instagram handle as well if people want to get straight on to following you? Yes, so that's Naveen's Good Space. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. I've absolutely loved listening to all of your wisdom. And yeah, I can't wait for the listeners to hear about it as well. Thank you so much. That was a great pleasure for me as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. Remember that you can't rewrite your past, you can only recode your future. If you want more information on the work I do, please visit my website www.atouchofclarity.com.au or come over to my Instagram at a touch of clarity. Please remember to subscribe and write a review as it means so much to me. Have a beautiful day and I really hope that we connect again soon.